Hey guys, this is Pete, and you're listening to another production of Fat Guys and Little Coats. Running up the score with Pete and my battery partner, Tom. Tom, are you in the house? I am here. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great. I'm glad uh, we can finally get back to doing this. Tom and I, we talk about it all the time. We have to do a podcast. We have to do the podcast. And then either something comes up that I can't do it or I forget to do it. So, or you fall asleep. Or I fall asleep. I'm, it's basically all my fault, not Tom's. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom and I, as you guys, if you haven't heard us in a while, we talk everything sports. Uh, so Tom, today, as you know, as we walk and talk, Tom, Tom and I live in the same neighborhood. And we do a lot of walking and talking about what we want to do. And we like to argue uh, without the podcast, so we're going to do it now and argue on the podcast because it's really great radio, so to speak. Um, so Tom and I have been talking off the air a lot about the controversy in sports over the last few months, and um, you know we've talked about you know Pete Rose not being in the world's in, in the Hall of Fame and those type of controversies, but controversies now that are spilling out of sports. I'm in real life spilling into sports. And I think the big one is probably the national anthem and the kneeling and all that fun stuff between the NFL players and Donald Trump. So, Tom, why don't you give us a, you know, give us kind of like your your feeling, kind of a background on that that storyline. Well, you know, I've always been a strong First Amendment guy. Um... You know, I do believe that peaceful protest is something that. Oh, Tommy, can I say something? I love sure. the I love the crickets in the background. Just, oh, you like that? Is just that a so, so everybody knows, Tom is sitting at uh, by the fire as he's podcasting. Must be nice. Yeah, I love it. I, I love this kind of weather. <laughs> this is like the only thing better than this is when football season, like opening weekend, and then the the chill starts coming in the air. But I, I love this time of year too. Um, so anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> no, quite all right. Um, but with you know, with the anthem, um, I, I'm I'm a believer in peaceful protest. I think um, I think there is a reason why the the guys feel it necessary to to kneel. Um, I personally don't have an issue with it, and I, and I, let me just say this: I know there are a lot of people that do, and and I respect the people who do have an issue with it. I think it's a very polarizing issue. It really depends on where some of your, um, core beliefs lie. I, I under, but you know, there are separations, even people who are military folks, there are just as many military people who say that they don't have an issue with it. than say that they do. So this thing is polarizing, uh, amongst everybody. You don't have to be in a blue state or a red state or a military, not military, would you agree? It just seems like it, it, people just really lay heavily one side or the other on this. One. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's either one side or the other and the, there is one side that's wrong and that's usually Tom's side. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I am all for the freedom of speech and all that stuff. I think what gets lost and I know both, I know both sides have talked about this, you know, that the American flag is not about, um, you know, the president or, and we're not going to get into whether we like the president or not. Tom doesn't. Um, but we, you know, we're going to, it's about what that flag stands for. And that's, I think it's more for, you know, respect to those people who fought, 
for us uh, to get these freedoms. Now, again, there's plenty of opportunity to say, well, you know, I don't have this freedom because I'm black, white, blue, orange, green, red, whatever that may be. But I think it's still about, I'm not asking anyone to um, hold their hand across their heart, but I am asking that you stand. Now, um, and you know, last year, this happened around week three of last season um, for the NFL. And I think it, you know, it's kind of like the, remember, you know, when in this, I don't want to compare this to it, but it's very similar. For two and a half years, we talked about Tom Brady and his deflate gate stuff, right? Right. You know, we were hoping by the end of the se- last season that this would come to some finalization. Okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. No, the NFL says we're going to leave it up to the players to to go or not go. How is that much better? It's not. Because, you know, Tom might want to go out, and I may not want to. And then guess what's going to happen? We're going to count who's not there and who's there. And all right. it is is a big disaster again. Now, I will say, I know the, the real the real purpose of kneeling was to, you know, um, to demonstrate the, their unhappiness with whatever that, you know, whatever anybody's, you know, equal equality and all those things. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But, um, you know, I, I just... I just think we should either do one or the other. Either I don't want people's. How do I say this, Tom? You and I talked about this when we were when we were walking. I don't want to see people. Don't want to see people demonstrating at their work where they have another freedom to do it somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yet, I also think that they have a very public forum here. And, um, but isn't social media their public forum? Isn't isn't work? If you're if Tom, if you went to work and said, I don't want to, I don't want to stand for whatever reason. I want to sit on the carpet um, because I'm not happy about X, Y, and Z. I mean, is that right? Is isn't this the workplace? Isn't if the boss says we're doing this, this is what the the job says to do. Like, it, it is. You know. It is. I, but, I, you know, I will challenge you here, though, um, even if the NFL pretended to be very purist about this thing, do you honestly believe that if um, a superstar player were to do it, like uh, Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or whoever you want to pick, um, that ownership would stick to their guns and say, you know what, we're sitting him for the next five weeks or until he decides, you know, what, what are they going to do? You, you know, as well as I do that your status as a player and how much money you bring to the team and wins will always Trump wink, wink, um, <laughs> everything. So what, so why is it an issue in football, but not in baseball, basketball, hockey, all these other sports. And again, you know, there it's, all, you know, all the same demographic, you know, and obviously there's some guys, I'll tell you what happened. Okay. Let's go, let me go back for a second. I was up. I had no problem with no one coming out. If you don't want to come out, that's how it was back in 2009. And the owner said, you have to come out now for the national anthem. Okay. If they would have just said, stay in, no problem. 
Okay, but they they set it up where it's you're you're setting up this standard where you could do whatever you want it now. Um, your boy Jerry Jones, who likes to run his mouth, was fueling the fire. Right. You know. Um, I forgot where I was going with this point. I'm kind of rambling at this moment in time. <laughs> but uh, so my point is, why is it different in, in other sports than it is here? Um, that's a great question. I, I, and I don't know. I, you don't see, you haven't seen anybody in baseball do it. I don't think we've seen anybody in hockey do it. I don't think we've seen anybody in basketball do it. Now, to be fair, I am a, a white male. And, you know, I know in this country there is racism out there. I'm not part of it. But I understand that there is. And it's not just racism. It's womanism. It's all these things. Someone is always being offended. And I just think there's got to be another way to make that point where I think that, you know, you're kind of. Because I think that one of the issues, I think, Tom, honestly, I think people associate the flag with the president when it really isn't. You know, you're in a country where. you are free, right? Right. You, you know, you're not living in one of these horrible countries where the people, like women can't vote, they can't drive, you know, other people can't, you know, they, they don't get food. We have this here. This is your freedom. And it is your freedom to, to demonstrate. But we have so many outlets now. And I don't know why this is such an issue in this one sport. Why is it an issue in other sports? And Pete, believe me, I'm not... I'm not sitting here shaking my head or disagreeing with anything you're saying. I, I, I completely see that side of the argument. I really do. And, and that's what's tough for me because um, I'm, you, you could probably say that I'm 60% to 40%. With, I, I, wish, I wish that it could have ended at some point I, I, and not be forced. You know, I wish everybody would have felt like they – they did some good with it. Okay, now on to something else. You know, on to a, another way of of protesting or getting your point across. I, I don't, I don't want to see it continue on. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. But well, there could be some people though that would take a hard line and and say that they don't like that they are um, linking arms instead of you know, putting their hand on their heart. I mean, there could be some people that are that are that hardcore about it for you. The line is I, I want them to stand. Right. And, and I think that's a completely reasonable line, but with somebody else, that line might be a little bit different. You know, for me, it's not that much. And yet for other people, it might be, I don't like this linking arms. I don't think you should, uh, I don't think you should uh, bring attention to yourself. I am all for linking arms, all for fists in the air. You know, I felt, I, I, I didn't find it so like when it first happened, I was like, okay, what got me was when um, the Steelers guy, uh, what's his name? The Army Ranger who became an NFL player. Yeah. He's the only one that came out on his team. You know, how, what's this guy thinking? Like, I fought for this country and these guys are all sitting back. You know, I mean, it's. It really isn't a major issue, and I think the NFL didn't make it better. They've made it worse. And Agreed. my thing is, you know what? Let's sit, let's sit down and talk. Okay, what can we do? We make all this money. We make. Oh, even though they they had a big drop off last year in 
what you know, fan participation and all these things, they still made like two point five billion dollars. Why can't we take some of that money and put it towards these things that these guys are fighting for? You know, there's a lot of people talking about, you know, racism here, there, equality. Why can't we put some money towards this and try to help instead of worrying about why are we talking about let's should they stay in or out? Why are we talking about what can we do to make it better? Uh, I agree. I agree. Or, you know, why not have something where they wear a colored bandana or, you know, let the and I know the NFL is strict on their uniform policy, which is a joke, by the way. Yeah. But give a little. Why don't you say, look, guys, if you want to wear an armband, I think that would be a great idea. Or if you want to wear I I agree with you. I mean, there are other ways to bring attention to an issue than maybe just that one. And maybe um, if I'm one of the NFL players, I say to myself, "Okay, this got a lot of discussion going maybe maybe it's time to turn a different direction and do something different if we want to continue to but let's face it too when i would turn on the sunday night game what was what was the thing from the middle of the season on that they would do they would have the camera instead of fixed on the flag or fixed on scanning people in the crowd holding their hand to their heart or whatever like they would normally do they would scan the players and make sure that they zoomed in on the guys that were kneeling down. And I thought, I thought that contributed to some of what you were seeing. Cause could you imagine if at home you were just seeing the flag and there wouldn't be nearly as much. I can hear your radio in the background. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. No, we got, we got a soundtrack now. I like it. (laughs) I can, I can, can turn that down um, but no i i think we i think we do it to ourselves a lot of times where because we're we're such a watch the train wreck society we hate it and yet we turn the tv to make sure that we see it yeah no you're right and and do you honestly believe that do you believe the people that say i'm done with the nfl i'm not watching it anymore because that guy kneeled instead of there, standing. There are, Do you believe a, that? there are a few that I know personally that have pretty much burned their jerseys, called it a day. Um, I mean, the NFL, it's, I don't know. I think that some of these guys, some of the, the fans, it's, it's great. Now, listen, like I know around here, at least some of the VFWs don't have the games on anymore. Um, those type of things. This is where the NFL needs to step in and say, "We need to figure this out. We need to make these guys, you know, try to like work with them to try to solve this, not keep fueling the fire." Because even if I think, even if they said today you're going to stay in, and that's it, I still think it's not going to go away. Right. I think they need to get together, the union and the NFL, and say. What can we do? Because let's be very honest, okay? I know that you're not, and I know there's a lot of people that don't like the president. But he's there. It's over. He's the president. We need to learn to either support him or wait till next year and do, or the year after and do what we're, we've been given the right to, vote him out. But it, again, a lot of people now are starting to say this is spilling into sports is supposed to be 
my my escape from life. And it's more like it's appearing more and more. And not just with this NFL piece, our next topic of conversation is domestic abuse that's occurring all over this country as well in sports. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you a question. I want to follow up on one other thing. Sure. Um, I almost agreed with your point about the current administration. However, if you think about it, the NFL controversy and now there's controversy with, um, is it uh, Kobe Bryant in L.A.? Oh, it's uh, probably LeBron. Not LeBron. I'm sorry, not Kobe. Um, He's injecting himself into this. This is not him being drug into anything. He is injecting himself. And so that has to be another question you ask yourself is, you know, are well, yes, he should. Maybe, maybe he should stay out of it a little bit. But again, and there's going to be those other people on the other side. Hi, doggy. Um, that they're going to be like, well, listen, he's solving things with North Korea. He's doing this. He's doing that. I get it. He needs to shut his mouth. Twitter is the the demon for everybody as well. You know, social media, as we talk about all the time, has brought down society. It's increased bullying in in schools. Um, it's it's affecting everything, but it's not going away. Someone needs to take his Twitter away, and some of these players, their stuff needs to be taken away too. To be perfectly honest with you, but um, you know that just like we say, that's that's you know Twitter is where you should be sprouting out whether or not you're um, uh, whether or not you should um, you know, you know what I'm saying like do we tell them that's where they should be protesting? That's also his right to like say what he wants to say. But, you know, Donald Trump is different than most presidents. Right, I agree. So, you know, needless to say, this isn't going to be solved, obviously, today. uh, But we need a solution because I think slowly but surely this is affecting the NFL. Sure. And I think that, you know, they have other problems to worry about. Why can't we talk about safety a little bit more here? And I know people... I didn't see the first game, but I heard a lot of things about the the Hall of Fame game with the referees with the helmet head to head. So let's focus on that stuff and CTE and how we can better make, you know, the amateur sports version of football, you know, safer. So as these people grow up and they become football players, it's not as impactful. Again, it's a contact sport. You're going to get hurt. So we just have to find a way to make it a little bit safer. Yeah, and at that Hall of Fame game, and I watched a little bit of it, um, I'm not a big preseason watcher, uh, but I watched some of it, and there was a call where an individual got hit over the middle, and he got hit pretty much in the armpit was about where I would describe it. He kind of got hit right around the armpit, right around the shoulder, and the flags came out, and they were saying that, you know – the new rules are even more strict about where a guy can hit another guy. And, and uh, even the announcers were saying, I don't know how this is going to work. How in the heck are they going to hit anybody anymore with all the new rules that are out there? And I'm all for safety. I'm all for trying to figure out how to eliminate the, the, this chronic brain injury issue. Um, But man, you know, I'll give you you a solution. I'll give you a solution. 
a minor solution. It's not going to solve everything, but I think we should in in the in the high school and down and you know from middle school down, there should be no tackle football. It should be flag football. And in those flag footballs, you're slowly starting to teach these kids how to properly tackle. So when they get to the high school, that's where they really do it begins. You know, does that make sense? I totally agree with that. You know, I, I watch these kids tackling in their sixth grade. I've seen the parents and how they're like, you got to do this. I think we need to, like, slow that down. Get them in the safer situations. Teach them the game, and then you could teach them how to tackle. Because if you teach them the game, then you're, it, it's going to flow right into how to tackle a player, where to tackle a player, how to be safe, but still be brutal at the same time. Right. Maybe there there needs to be more changes to equipment. You know, may, what is do more studies on what is the type of contact that is doing it is it more helmet to helmet that causes the concussions is it more the shoulder pad to the helmet you know are there changes that can be made to make those things safer the equipment safer but i just don't think throwing guys out of the game or throwing 15 yard penalties for hitting another guy in the armpit man you're it's a it's a real quandary because the nfl is losing viewership there's no question about it there's more people saying, I wouldn't let my kid play. I mean, you got people like Brett Favre, who was one of the iron horses of the game, looking back and kind of regretting all the hits that he took. When you start hearing that, and with the other issues that are happening with the game that are outside of that, I, I see a continued erosion with the NFL that, that we may – we may see a very different sport ten years from now. Now I know you don't have you don't have boys. Well, you do, but he he's older now, so he's uh, you know he's not going to be playing uh, football. But if you had a young child, like a, you know a seven, eight, nine year old, would you let them start playing football? That's a good question, Pete. Um, I might, I might, but if if there was a concussion involved it might end that pretty quick. Yeah. I might do it on the contingency of as long as I feel like you're in a safe, you know, league where they're teaching them how to hit, they're not encouraging people to take each other's heads off. And he hasn't taken a head injury of any point. I might, I might do it. But if it started to be where my kid had a concussion at age 11, I think I would think twice about sending him back out on the field. Yeah, me too. I mean, I my son never really wanted to play football. He he like he started doing the workouts the one year, and he's like, you know what, it ain't worth the you know taking the abuse. And he plays baseball and he swims. So that I'm like, not that nothing, no sport is completely safe. We know that, but it's not as as brutal as football is. Right. All right. So we've gotten these two huge things in football. Which, you know, it's changing the game. I mean, um, but now we're seeing another thing in football and in other sports that's coming out more and more. And I don't know if it's just because of social media or whatever it may be. We're finding a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of stories of abuse. And obviously the last, the most recent is 
Zach Smith from Ohio State and with the situation with his wife. And then on top of it, it seems like there's a cover-up in Ohio State from their head coach, Irvin Meyer. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that, that storyline right now? Well, first of all, I just want to go on the record as saying that um, I think any kind of domestic abuse um, is is just is terrible. Um, Agree. I, I, I have I loathe knowing that I've known people that have been in that sort of situation. Um, fortunately, I didn't necessarily grow up in a domestically violent home, but I, I, ha- people, I have. By uh, the way, I have. By the way. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it ruins lives. Yep. And so, um, I think, I think any time that this comes to light now, you have the other side of the coin where people can be accused of things and, you know, right away we may be taking the side of it happened. Uh, this person needs to be you know, thrown out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think there does need to be some form of proof just to make sure that the person is not being taken over the coals, uh, extorted in any way. And that can happen. So I think we have to be very careful of that. But when there is actual proof that something like that has gone on or a strong enough circumstantial belief that something has gone on, I I think it has to be a zero tolerant, um, stand that is taken. And unfortunately, as we talked about earlier, a lot of this depends on who you are. And that's the shame of this. Um, You know, it's easy to throw off a guy who is a second string linebacker who your team's really not going to miss. But when your star quarterback, your star running back, it seems like those are the ones that will get protected. And the team tries to rally around and throw lawyers at it. And I think it really sends the wrong it sends a terrible message that it's acceptable depending on who you are. Now, what about the coach? Okay, let's look at Irvin Meyer, for instance. He allegedly knew, right, and did and brought this person over from Florida. He was at Florida State, right? Am I right? Was that where he was uh, at? I didn't, I didn't think he was Florida State. He might have been from some – he was at another school, and this apparently something happened in 2009 with him and the wife. And then Irvin Meyer brought him in for a favor to his mentor. Knowing this going on, um, knowing that this is going on, and he doesn't, he doesn't cover it. You think he's bound to be uh, done? I think it's interesting. I, I predict he will not be. And I think it's because he's Irvin Meyer. And again, it goes back to the same problem. Well, what about Joe Paterno uh, when that happened? I know it's a different situation, but he was was he already gone by that time or now? Um, well, no. I mean, he was he was forced out because of uh, not reporting the sexual abuse, and of course, he died a few months later. So, do you think Irvin Meyer will be forced out? No, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I think Ohio State is too vested in him. I think football is too important. Um, I, I really think that this thing is – I think they're going to muddy it up enough that he will not be forced out. Now, if this were the middle of football season, it might be different. But right now it's a little bit too easy to let that story slip to the back because they're not actively on the field. He's not – you know, they're not talking football every day. 
But again, this is the bad message that we send. We send, we're sending almost the same message as the abuser sends, where the abuser, in my mind, uh, Ray Rice, um, somebody like that, they do that. It's a power play, right? It, it's it's because I'm I'm the I'm the football player. I'm the I'm the, the powerful one. I take the power from the woman or the child or whatever. It's all power play. And they, they feel that way because they've been told their entire lives, you have football talent, we'll protect you, you can basically do whatever you want and get away with it, et cetera, et cetera. So what do we send a message on? Well, you're the star player, so you will, we'll try to do everything we can to keep you on the field. Well, that's just sending the exact same message as what put them there in the first place. Right. No, and I agree with that. I think that, um, oh boy, I mean, it's because it hit, it comes, it hits home for me. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, what the worst thing is, is that not just with Irvin Meyer, but with all these situations where it's actually occurred, and they've had proof, they've never really, they, it's, there's no consistency across the board. What happens to this person? Uh, me personally, you know what, if someone does that, I'm all for, you know, um, you know, second chances. But with this situation, there's no, there's always a second, third, and fourth scenario. So at some point, you got to say, this guy, I don't care how good he is, he's got to go. And I know that in sports, that's not going to happen. Right. But there's got to be some way to, to, even if it's like a year, you're done for a year. Maybe that stops him, but who knows? Right. Well, I think a lot of this begins with better education early on. We talked about this with, you know, hits. We talked about it with, it all seems to come back to that. Somebody needs to be talking to these kids. Uh, and, I, and I'm not making excuses for, for any of it. I'm far from it. The only thing that I would put out there is how many of these players grew up in homes with, both mom and dad there or or possibly grew up in homes that were broken themselves they found football or they found their talent in a sport I, I, we should stop picking on football i know it happens in other sports but it just seems more prevalent um but how many of them grew up in the broken home they find sports and it's finally the thing that propels them out of uh the the poverty or the domestic violence or whatever and they're not really being taught anything along the way all they're doing is having somebody shield them and and they haven't really learned anything that's why a guy like herm edwards i remember watching him he used to do uh the rookie camp or the rookie clinic and he would stand up there and he would talk to him about these kind of issues and he was very frank about it and they showed it on a special where they showed his speech and he was talking about how to not go broke, how to uh, not get yourself in these kind of situations. How many people are really talking to these guys about that so that when they become adults, sort of, <laughs> and they get and they get to this level and they have women and everything else, is it really any is it any surprise that that they're completely screwing up and don't understand and just 
and have no ability to, to even reason and, and think about that stuff. Do you, uh, do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Absolutely. I think Herm Edwards is a great example. Um, he was, you know, not only, you know, he's the guy that said, uh, and I don't know if you saw this or not, and this is kind of part of it, but like with the social media thing, um, you know, sleep on it before you hit send, right? Um, right. He, he is, and luckily, I think Arizona State, where's he go? He went to Arizona, one of the smaller schools in Arizona as a football coach, and I think they're getting one of the best coaches ever in this regard. I mean, granted, he wasn't a great NFL coach. He had his moments, but... For this piece, he teaches men. He helps grow boys into men. And I think you're right about that. I think we need to get into the school systems early and, you know, kind of teach this stuff to these kids. Because, you know, like you said, they come from broken homes. You know, some of them do, not all of them. Um, but, you know, and they don't know any better. So they we need to give these group of men, you know, that training before they go, some, you know, as they get better. You know, as yeah. they're going through life. Um, and I don't think it just stops after they get to the NFL. I still think they need that, like, that guidance here, you know? Yeah. So. And and not that this is a good comparison. I'm, I'm not comparing domestic violence to anything lesser than that. Um, but if you look in the realm of just financially and the numbers of how many go from millionaire to absolute destitution – um, I guess that's a word, destitution. They become destitute. Yeah. Uh, we're not here to, again. we're not, we're not that professional to worry about <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> and again, it's not, it's not an accident. It, it's the same kind of thing. They've, they've been taken advantage of to a large degree by other people wanting to make money. So they have been shielded, protected, put on a pedestal. Um, and, and really it's like a train going down a track where, the end of the track isn't built, but by the time they get to that point and they're about ready to fly off the cliff, everybody jumps off because they made their money and then the disaster happens. And then everybody wants to look around and go, man, you know, why didn't he know better? Or why, why would he behave like that? Well, it's because there's a whole system behind him that allowed that train to keep on steaming. As long as he was making money, as long as there was promise of, this you know he could end up buying that person a house or this person a lamborghini or whatever and everybody took what they could jumped off the train and then it crashed and and i think a lot of these kind of issues that we're talking about goes back to that yeah still no reason to do it i mean you you have to be a human being at some point and realize that whether we're talking about you know buying fifty thousand dollar rims for a car or getting in a bar fight i mean how many of these guys go to a bar at two o'clock in the morning or a strip club and then you get reports of so-and-so punched a woman or so-and-so punched a security guard or a cop you would think to yourself gosh these they're idiots why would they go to a strip club at two o'clock in the morning yeah well who who taught them not to okay peter yeah you know you're right i mean you're absolutely right with that um it's we need to change it in in we have a whole lot of changing to do in society. So, sure. um, but let's okay. So we know that there's a lot of this stuff is affecting sports, but there are some good things that are going on in sports as well. Um, this is the best time of the year, Tom. We got baseball's heating up, preseason starting. Um, 
what are you looking forward to in the next couple months? Uh, you know, I love baseball playoffs. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, typically, when football starts, I kind of everything else forget about it. I'm not even watching anything else. But baseball playoffs is one that I love to stop and watch. I love uh, the the nitty gritty pitch per pitch kind of analyzing and the game within the game. That stuff I I love. So uh, the two things I'm looking forward to most: one, college football getting started again, and two the baseball playoffs that, that's just oh, that's <laughs> wonderful stuff for me all right so it's august 4th or 5th whatever day it is six seven eight um we have the races going on we know who you know the yanks and the red sox and the yanks kind of falling out what do you this is the fix my picks portion of the show <laughs> uh so where are you looking at in the playoffs what's who's our teams on each in each league Man, I think the only the only team that has a chance to really do anything against Boston is going to be Cleveland. I like Cleveland's team. I think they pitch. I think they have great hitting with Lindor and um, uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, solid, solid team. So I think the two of them in the American League will decide who's going to go. I like the Yankees. I don't. I don't. I don't discount them. The Yankee problem now is I don't think they're good enough to sustain a drive and to overtake Boston. So now they're going to get stuck in that daggone one game do or die playoff where anything can happen. This is why I don't invite Tom onto the show anymore because (laughs) he has no idea about sports. Um, Obviously the Yankees are going to be the best team in baseball ever. No. uh, Yeah, you're right though. I mean, Boston looks, see the Yankees are 28 games over 500. And if it wasn't for Boston being so good, you know, the, the blemishes of the Yankees wouldn't be so prominent. You're right. You know, I think, you know, it's going to end up where the Yanks, it's going to be the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Astros. And the Yankees as the wild card against Oakland or Mar- the Mariners isn't an easy easy win either way. But if they do win, yeah, we get to do a five-game series against the Red Sox. Um, right. So it's going to be a tough haul. Uh, as my silly Yankee self, I still think they're going to, they're going to pull it out. Um, so what about you? So you're thinking Cleveland or Boston? I, I do. And I'm not really sold on Houston right now. I, I'm really not. Um, I think there's – the Phillies have been such a great surprise. Uh, and I think they're solid. I mean, they have, they have really good pitching. Uh, they have Reese Hoskins. Uh, they have other really good star players. I'm not sure this is their year just yet. I think they'll – I think they'll make the playoffs, and I think they'll they'll make some noise. I'm not sure that it's quite going to be them yet. I think the Dodgers are solid, uh, so I don't I don't know about the the National League. I think that's going to shuffle around a bit for me. I don't I don't see anybody standing out heads and shoulders above like you're seeing in the American League. Yeah, I you know you're right. And I you know Philly, I'm you know Philly and Atlanta still great. I still think Washington finds a way. Um, I don't know, but I, you know, for some reason, I just think they find a way I'm conv- I, you know, in that the central there's all, you know, the, the Cubs, I think run away with that. Eventually I do like the Dodgers going to the world series. I, for some reason, grabbing Manny Machado, you know, I think they're out there to, I, he's a rental. I think he goes somewhere else 
at the end of at the end of the year. But I think they get to the World Series. Now, whether they win it or not, I'm not sure. If they play the Yankees, no. If they play anybody else, then I hope they win. <laughs> you know, so so for me, you know, I, again, baseball's up and hot and ready to go, and the Yankees are doing great. I have to tell you, I'm watching a lot of stuff about football. Uh, I mean, I'm gearing up for football. I know it's it has its problems, but I just, you know, that taste it's coming, right? The you know the Hall of Fame game was there. You know, college football is right on the precipice of starting. It's I used a big word there. Probably don't even know what it means. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I love watching the preseason games. I watch any football though, so that's you know that's just me. Um, but I'm excited about the sports. I could really care less about any other sport, but these two at this, you know, football, college football, baseball. Um, that's, you know, that's, this is coming to a head September, the day after Labor Day. I'm like, let's go, let's get some football started. And okay. Yeah. The, I'll watch the Yanks, but as soon as that Raider game comes on, uh, my Yankee stuff comes off, <laughs> whether they win, lose or draw, you know, and again, you know, I, I rib with some of my friends and I rib with you about, you know, the Raiders. I always get the Raiders stink, you know, obviously. And I always get the Yankees stink. I'm like, well, you know what? I used to be like, oh, my God, you're wrong. You're an ass, this, that, and the other thing. Now I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I just like watching it. I just think it's fascinating. I just wish we can get real life out of football and, and sports and go back to it's an escape. And, and I think. One of the reasons why I've always been much more of a fan of college football than, than pro, and I think as I've gotten older, I've actually gotten more uh, into that camp. Yeah, all we hear about is Florida State, Florida State. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're doing soundtracks now. I like it. When you go to a college football game, especially to a good environment, um, I don't think there's really any bad environments in college football, but – when you go to an environment where um, it, it's a it's a good rivalry, it's a it's a fun game. Um, people, in my experience in going to these games, you can wear the other team's jersey, um, and and you're still going to end up tailgating with some people that have the home jersey on. You know, there's no real fear of of nastiness or anything else. Everybody's there having a good time in general. I think, you know, there's always the, um, the little, the little things like with Florida state, the guy comes out and throws a spear, you know, you have those traditions and things like that. Um, that's, that's what I'm attracted to, to college football. I think it, it, it really has stayed grounded and stayed in its roots. We know being close to Philadelphia, that if you go to an Eagles game and you wear a Dallas Cowboy Jersey, that, it's not going to be a very fun day for you. No, that's true. It's a shame that you can't like, enjoy a game, just go to the game. And walk. I mean, it's, I think, again, some of it, the fans are just ridiculous as well, obviously. I mean, you know, I don't take my son to the Eagles, but I've taken them to the Ravens and I've taken them to other stadiums. And it's been very, very relaxed. I mean, yeah, you get ribbing and stuff like that. But, you know, it's... It just takes one fan to be a real dummy to yeah. cause problems, you know. I mean, I went to a – listen, Orioles stink real bad. I've gone to games where 
you know, I've taken my son was nine, ten years old, and I got fans coming up to me, going up to him and saying, "The Yankees effing this and that." I'm like, dude, he's nine. Right. I'm like, you could talk to me like that. I don't care. He's nine. He's gonna cry. So I said, if you talk to him like that, you don't have to worry about the Orioles because you won't be able to watch him anymore. Right. You know, so yeah, right. I understand your point with college football. I love going to college football games, especially Notre Dame, except when it's really cold and raining. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and uh, you know, for our listeners, Pete and I went to uh, a Notre Dame game. I guess it's two years ago now. Yeah, two games now, yeah, two years. Um, and it was an incredible experience. And and you know, n- not a Notre Dame fan. Um, I'm not a hater, but I'm. I'm don't root for Notre Dame, especially. But going to the stadium, you know, we we uh, I, I bought a a jacket to go and you know, eBay fifty cents. I mean, how could I turn that down? Yeah. Um, but no. But it the whole college atmosphere, the campus, the other things that you can do. Um, it, it really is a good spirit, I think. And I've been to maybe. Uh, probably close to 10 different college football venues now. I've been fortunate enough to be able to do and travel to some different ones. And that by far was my favorite. Uh, even I've been to Tallahassee and I, I would almost rank Notre Dame even better than that experience uh, going to see my Knowles in Tallahassee. But um, I, I think you can't, you can't beat it. So even when you're watching it on TV, I think you get that flavor. But if you have a chance to go to a college football game, uh, Navy was a, a fascinating experience. Notre Dame was great. Went to Pitt. That kind of stunk because it's in a professional football stadium and it just didn't have quite that feel. Uh, been to Clemson to watch Florida State get beat there, but you can't you can't beat the experience. I think of of kids doing it because they love it. The 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 kids down there on the field. The vast majority of them are going to be specializing in other things. They're not going to the NFL. They're not thinking about $10 million contracts. They're out there because they love the game, and this is what they do. They're passionate about it. And I think the NFL, I think there's a loss between those two levels of that kind of enthusiasm just to be out there on the field. My Sheldon bobblehead agrees with you. He's shaking his head. <laughs> uh, other than I hate Florida State now, thanks to you, I don't like them anymore because I'm so tired of hearing about them. <laughs> um, I used to like the Cowboys too, but then Dak this, Ezekiel this, that, that, nothing I'm done. <laughs> no, but you're right. I think I've been to a few college football games and um, I've had a lot of – it's all been great experiences. I've been to, like I said, pro football games and I've had – Great experiences, minus the one in Philly where I had bottles thrown at me. So um, I know there's Philly fans out there, or Eagle fans, whatever. Philly fans are fine. The Philadelphia Phillies are fine. It's the Eagle fans that are crazy. Yeah. All right, so, Tom, I promised you a, a great top five. That I you, can't wait. That you, that you don't need to prep for. So, you All know, right. on my other show with Jay, we do Enter the Nerd Zone. We talk a lot of wrestling, right? Yeah. Yes. And I know that you love wrestling. So this yes. is your opportunity now. Awesome. To give me your top five tag teams of all oh. time. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to put them in order. So I may just have to give you five. You can give me five. That's fine. All right. Um, I, I think 
somewhere this would probably be my number two if i thought about where i would put them uh but the road warriors i think would have to be up there i I think they changed no i'm just kidding (laughs) i I think they they were they were also it'd be hard not to put them number one to be honest with you just their the way they would have them come in and squash even even uh some of the top opponents and that kind of air of invincibility that they had that it almost required somebody to cheat in order to beat them because there was you couldn't beat them you know facing up uh they're hard to beat so i I gotta go with the road warriors is one of my top five for sure okay they weren't in my top five i don't think jay had them in his top five either but that's okay this is tom's top five okay all right (laughs) So go ahead. Who who would be in? Your no, no. I, you, this is all you. This is your top five. Oh my God. Well, usually when you give me one, then that kind of gives me a chance to reset and think about what my next one. Well, be. I can tell you, one, one of my favorite tag teams was the Midnight Express. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember what I talked with Jay about, but I'm pretty positive I said the Sweet Stan and uh, Bobby Eaton version. Um, and, and Jay and I had a nice debate about the who's better, Dennis Condry, I think. But for me, I like Sweet Stan and uh, Beautiful Bobby. And if you guys play back the tapes on Enter the Nerd Zone, it was something different. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what about you now? What's another one for you? Well, and you probably took my favorite was the Midnight Express. Will, will always be. And I, I enjoyed the, the Stan Lane uh, Bobby Eaton as well. My understanding has always been that, that Bobby was one of the greatest workers in the business, one of the nicest guys in the business. I'm a huge Jim Cornette fan. Um, I listen to his podcasts, and uh, I constantly go on YouTube and listen. He, he's very active still in, in uh, uh, doing podcasts and things on YouTube, and I just love listening to his stories. And I think he was... He was what really made the Midnight Express tick, uh, without a doubt. I, yeah, I, could go, a... I, I could go back and watch the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling and watch him doing promos. And, you know, it, without him, it wouldn't have been nearly as amazing as, as what it was. But I, I, loved, I loved the Midnight Express. Yeah, we agreed, him and I, that um, Jim, Jim Cornette and Bobby Heenan are probably 1-1A one one as greatest managers ever. But this is about tag teams. So give me another tag team. Uh, what well, do you got to give me another one? Uh, oh gosh, um, I can't remember my top five because if I give you a top five and it's something different, I'm gonna be mad at myself. <laughs> um, I'll tell you another tag team I do like um, and that battled the Midnight Express a lot was the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, uh, Ricky Morton and Bobby. Uh, Ricky Morton and why do I want to say Bobby? Um, Robert. What's his name? Robert Gibson. Robert yeah, Gibson, Robert yeah. Gibson. Uh, and they're still wrestling somewhere. And they're like, yes. they're in their 80s wrestling somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's the tag team that never really won anything. They always were like the, they weren't a jobber, but they, you know, they won like a title here and there. But they were always getting beat by either Art Anderson and Tully Blanchard, who were one of my other two favorite tag teams. Um, they were always like that second fiddle to somebody. Yeah, I think so, but it was probably because of their size. Um, but you you can't deny the fan reactions to them and and uh, what they brought to the table. And the the great thing about 
the Rock and Roll Express. And again, listening to a lot of Jim Cornette, those guys were terrific friends with uh, the Midnight Express. So they, you know, they traveled the country together. They wrestled together constantly. Um, they they looked out for each other. They put on amazing shows. And I think it was because there was such great chemistry between those two teams. Any t- you know, you look at it now, and and the way wrestling has changed. Um, and you'll hear me talk a lot about the '80s and the '90s because that's really my forte. Yeah, you were comes- like 30 and 40 in that in that time frame, <laughs> weren't you? Yeah, there'll be a suplex for you. At you least something. had you at least had hair. <laughs> a mullet, actually. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think because the two teams were great friends, they had great chemistry. That's what made it. But what I was saying was. I think you look at it today and tag team wrestling is a, almost a completely lost art. You barely see it anymore. There were times where the midnight express and, and either the fantastics or the rock and roll express, they would headline shows, which is something you never see today, but they would gather so much heat and so much fan interest that they could be the main event of a show. And that, that is what makes them, so special that you'll never see that again. All right, so give me one more tag team. Uh, you know, I was a big Horseman fan, so any derivation of the four Horsemen, especially Arn and Tully, um, I'll just go with them. Um, but any any derivation of them was completely fun for me to watch. Um, I think another one was I was a big fan of. Chris Adams and Gina Hernandez when I when I was growing up. Gentleman the Chris. Way, Gentleman Chris Adams and Gina Hernandez. And they they wrestled for a couple of years in Texas and they were always going up against the Von Ericks. And I could never stand the Von Ericks. Couldn't stand them. <laughs> so I love to watch Chris Adams and Gina Hernandez. Another team that great chemistry. Um, and I think that's what that's what is also lost about tag team wrestling today where they just put two guys together and they say, okay, this is Bob and Joe. Whereas it was a craft back then and guys would work hard on doing moves that were, uh, that required a lot of teamwork, a lot of athleticism. Um, and I don't think you see that today, but, uh, the Freebirds were another one. I think there would be an honorable mention. Um, they could wrestle that they weren't, technical wrestlers but again talk about guys that could just get heat and uh no matter what territory they went to they were they were amazing and i'll tell you another one that should have been in your top five now that you got me started you got me on. yeah the well we're, we're going to stop soon no, i'm just kidding <laughs> okay another one i think that should have been in the top five if it wasn't would be the fabulous ones again another stan lane team but uh steve kern and stan lane they would go territory to territory, whether they were face or heel, didn't matter. They were just amazing technical workers, um, great guys. Uh, you could say the same thing. Another honorable mention would be the Sheep Herders before they went to the WWF and became that ridiculous comedy act that they ended up being. They were two of the most hardcore, heat seeking missiles in wrestling. Nobody wanted to wrestle the sheep herders, and that was when they knew the sheep herders weren't actually going to kill them. They still didn't want to go in the ring with them because they were just uh, such good, good hardcore wrestlers. Well, 
you know, those are tag teams that I really never thought of. No, just kidding. Uh, I think there, you know, there's some great tag teams teams there, Tom. Um, so we kind of get the top ten, well, the top five, maybe six or seven from yeah. Tom's favorite wrestling uh, uh, stuff. So you'll hear more from Tom probably and I talking about some more top fives in the wrestling uh, realm. But so just so everybody knows, Tom and I will be doing another show this week probably because – um, after Wednesday, I'll be on vacation for a couple weeks. Oh my gosh! Yep, again, again, and then running up the score, we'll be back uh, at the end of August, and our first show coming back there, Tom, is what? Oh, you don't know? I'm going to tell That's you. That's got to be football. It's going to be pre uh, preview football. We're yeah. going to talk about not all the teams, but necessarily, but we're going to talk about who's going to win what and where and how, and some of our storylines that we think are going to happen during uh during the season and we are not going to talk about anything about tom brady uh we're going to stay away from tom brady because i don't want to hear about the man <laughs> but wasn't he the one with the tuck rule i don't remember yes what? yes thank you very much um yeah okay get back to the super bowl 1990 1996 um so yeah so we're going to talk football we're going to give our 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 thoughts and previews our predictions and then on a weekly basis, Tom and I will be meet, probably talking on a Thursday, probably a Wednesday, Tom, Wednesday or Thursday morning or evening to give our picks of the week. And we're going to do it via no spread. We're going to do it without the spread. We're going to do pickups. And okay. Tom, Tom and I are going to have our competition for the year. And the winner gets a lunch at Chopsticks. By the other guy. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. So look forward to that stuff. Make sure you're checking us out on brothersinarmchairs.com. We're on fat. Guy, we have fat guys little coats. We have enter the nerd zone, nerd and me, uh, defender of the realm, and stuff you don't need to know. We got a whole bunch of geek and other things going on for you guys to listen to. Tom and I, like I said, will be on running up the score. Um, make sure you're checking us out. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Lag Bar. Uh, if you're in the Anaheim area, make sure you're going to see, going to them, having great uh, food as well as some gaming and some alcohol. If you like those type of things, I am not an alcohol drinker. Um, Tom, you're not much of a drinker either, are you? Maybe a beer here or there. Um, I'm not on Wednesdays. Every other day, yes. I <laughs> every other Wednesday, every other Thursday that starts with a day, uh, ends with a day. I'm drinking, right? Uh, what else, Tom? What you got any uh, any shout outs or anything like that? No, but I tell you, I appreciate everybody that listens in. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun, I, and I think we cover we cover great topics. So stay tuned. You never know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and make sure you understand that Tom's always wrong and I'm always right. Yeah. Uh, so as long as you guys believe that you'll love our show so anyway tom thanks for coming on again uh let's uh we'll end it with our our, our popular sign off i'll see you later <laughs> all right Take care uh, of yourself. all right bud talk to you soon